0: Open your Bibles, Psalm 92, Psalm 92, verse 12, we're going to start this morning, hallelujah, verse 12 says this, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree, he will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the lord they will flourish in the courts of our god they will still yield fruit in old age they shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the lord is upright he is my rock and 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 there is no unrighteousness in him that's a good word isn't it? it said you'll be full of sap doesn't mean you'll be sappy one translation says you'll be fat well we don't want that either spiritually but let's read it in the amplified bible and i don't care what pastor jonathan teases me about the amplified it helps me to have things amplified the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree be long-lived stately upright useful and fruitful is it on your screen let's read it together The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in the virtue of trust, love, and contentment. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. That's describing you and I. If you made Jesus your Lord, and if you haven't, we trust that today will be your day that you'll make that decision to be the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. But if you are a born-again Christian, this is what God says. Now, it says the uncompromisingly righteous. Well, you know what? You might be like I was. When I first got saved, I remember I can tell you right where I was. I was in the driveway of the people that led me to the Lord. And uh, they said, you're righteous, Brownie. I stopped them. I said, I'm not righteous. I thought, you don't know what I've done. I'm not righteous. And they went on to explain to me a wonderful truth out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, he made him. Let me just translate that. God made Jesus who knew no sin. Do you know that Jesus walked this earth with no sin? He's the only person that's ever lived on this earth that never sinned. The Bible says all we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus didn't. But what he did for us, he made him who knew no sin to what? To be sin. Didn't say to make him sin, he became sin. On our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, if you read Ephesians, Colossians, uh, a lot of Paul's writing, you can find out it, it might do you good to just go circle. All the times it says that we're in him. Now, when we get born again, they say Jesus comes in us, right? He does. But we come in him. We're in him. And that's why you're so miserable when you try to live your life outside of him when you've already been born again you're just miserable because it just it, everything's off kilter but it says that he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him so you don't, have, you don't have to do anything but receive Jesus to become righteous is that what it says so we're righteous not by our own works but by his work so when Jesus was on the cross, if you read Isaiah 53, it said he bore our sins. He took our sins. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Amen? So Jesus paid a price. You know, we, we say he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. You couldn't pay for your sin. You know, some religions, it's like, you know, crawl up the stairs on broken glass and say like a whole bunch of stuff and then you'll be, uh, what do they call it? I can't think of their word, but you'll, you'll get rid of your sin. I feel sorry for those people because we have a covenant with God who says if you sin... You have an advocate with the Father even the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that he takes our sin and he 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 takes it from us and it, it's as far as the east is from the west that he it's never brought up again. That's big. How far is the east from the west? (laughs) You can't go east and start going west. See, God, God didn't just say, that's a good idea. That sounds good. Let's write that down. He knew that you can't get west by going east. And so that's how far he's taken our sin from us. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify the Lord in your own body. Amen? We've been bought with a price. That's why God wants us to live like we've been bought with a price. God paid a big price for you and for me. He sent his only son. Now, you might think, well, that wasn't so big a deal. We'll wait till you have children. Thank God God's not asking us to give up our children because he already gave up his so that our children can have life amen so it says the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree be long-lived stately upright useful and fruitful they shall grow like a cedar in lebanon majestic stable durable and incorruptible hallelujah so the uncompromisingly righteous. I love that word, uncompromisingly righteous. Because you can be righteous by the blood of Jesus. But you gotta live righteous. You gotta acknowledge he's made you righteous. How do we know? How do we know that, that we're righteous? Well, we have to believe it by faith. Amen. We have to believe what we read, 2 Corinthians. That he who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. But at the same time, we should be living righteously. And so I love this uncompromisingly righteous. That means what's an uncompromisingly righteous person like? That person never quits, refuses to quit, refuses, just says, I'm not quitting. They refuse to compromise the word. Have you ever compromised in your walk with the Lord? Don't raise your hand because I'd say probably everybody in here has at one time or another. Some small, some big, but you know what? It's still the same. We we compromise because of what people will think. We compromise because it's just easier. You know, maybe the maybe the Lord said, I want you to believe God for a vehicle and and I'm going to give it to you. Just keep your faith out. And you, you know, you got your faith out, got your faith out. And thank you, Jesus, for my vehicle. You sow seed toward it. But then, you know, you start thinking, let's get in winter. I need a better vehicle. Then you go to the dealer and you find that one you like. I like that car. And what do you do? That, that thought comes in your mind, I think I'll borrow the money. Now I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying if God told you to do something, don't compromise it. The best way we can, the, the goal that we need to be heading toward is for us all to be out of debt. God doesn't want us in debt. God can get us out of debt. This ministry's out of debt. We don't owe anybody, anything. Everything in this building's paid for, all the vehicles are paid for. We don't have lease on anything. We own the property, we own the buildings, we own the cars. Because why? Because God blessed us. And God wants you out of debt. Do you know when your offerings come in, they go back in that office, they get prayed for. You know what we speak over those offerings? That you're out of debt. We say other things, but one of the things is that we call you out of debt. Why? Because the Bible says the borrower is servant, the lender is servant to the... No, no, no. The borrower is servant to the lender. Don't you hate to go in and get a loan? Don't you just feel like you're trash sometimes? I don't care how many pretty signs they got. I don't care how nice they are. It just doesn't feel right. But now the Bible says that we can lend to many. So obviously, borrowing is not a sin because he wouldn't make us sin. We lend to many. Deuteronomy 28 says... As part of the blessing, you will lend to many you shall not borrow. Why? Because God doesn't want us to be servant to anybody but him. So God wants us out of debt. So you get, you get challenged and you think, well, you know what? I know that's what God said, but I want this car now. I'm just going to go borrow the money. Now, like I said, that's not a sin unless God told you not to. So you compromise. There's other ways. We could stand up here all day and tell ways we compromise but God wants us to be uncompromisingly you know it's easy to compromise it's easy way but it becomes a hard way hallelujah hallelujah planted in the house of the Lord it says you shall flourish in the courts of our God planted in the house of the Lord they shall flourish in the courts of our God you know, God wants every, every Christian planted in the house of the Lord. Now, New Testament says that we are the temple, right? But we, as corporately, are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is all over the world. We're just a part. But we're a local body. And if we plant ourselves you know what planting me? Do you ever I mean it's thank God it's getting spring. I, I don't know. It might snow tomorrow, but those things are kind of sticking up in my yard that you planted. What, I don't what are they? Nice flowers. <laughs> but you know what? I don't go out there and pull them up. And then the next day say I'm going to plant them again. And then the next day say, I'm going to pull them up. I think I'll sleep for a week. Oh, I better put them in. They're not going to thrive, are they? They're going to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, your plants don't talk? (laughs) I live alone. (laughs) I talk to my plants. (laughs) Oh, some of you just turned off there. But you flourish. Flourish means to thrive. Amen. When you're planted where God wants you, you will thrive. When you're not, you won't. Amen. I have a ledge in my that uh, separates my kitchen from my living room, and my living room's sunken. And this ledge, there's skylights, and plants love that place. They just love it. They grow. I don't have to do a whole lot. They love it. But every once in a while, I think I'm going to take one of them into the bathroom and add some greenery to the bathroom. How many know it's not the best place? There is a skylight in there, but it doesn't give off much light. And they don't thrive. And after about two weeks, three weeks, I decide, oh, they're dying. I got to take them out. Why? Because they were where God wanted them, where they could be fed, where they could receive the light. And when I put them in the bathroom, they go, we don't like it here. They don't thrive. When we are where God wants us to be, we will thrive. You know, people think I should move back. My uh, People in Texas think I should move back to Texas, especially when David went to heaven, they thought, you should go, to come back home. I said, I am at home. I visit Texas. Oh, but you should come back. Do you know, I could go back and I go visit, but I wouldn't thrive because I wouldn't be where God planted me. You got to be where God plants you. And so people who are just always, woo, just they, they go here, there, and everywhere, they follow some preacher in every city they go to, whatever. They'll never thrive because you have to be planted. Amen? Planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish. I looked up flourish to see what it means because it's not a word that we use too often, is it? It says they will thrive, prosper, to steadily progress, to reach the highest place in God's pursuit. To be prosperous, to increase in wealth or honor, to grow in grace and in good works, to abound in the consolations of religion, to be in a prosperous state, to grow or to be augmented. So flourish. God wants you to flourish. Did you hear that? To grow to thrive, to increase and enlarge. God wants you to increase in every area, increase in love, increase in peace, increase in prosperity, increase in strength, increase in health. God wants increase on his people. And he said, here's how you do it. You plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you'll flourish. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says that there... Uh, says growing in grace they shall bring forth fruit in old age they shall be full of sap of spiritual vitality and rich in the virtue of trust love and contentment growing in grace another that word grace there can also be translated favor remember in the new testament said jesus grew in favor with god and man you can grow in the things of god you can grow in favor you can grow in grace now grace is is a gift from God to do what you can't do. We need the grace of God in our life. Amen? I don't, mean, I don't mean these people that, like, you know, I can do whatever I want. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's grace. Pure, holy grace that says what I can't do, he can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do it through me, but I can do it through him. Amen? So he said, growing in grace, they shall bring forth fruit in old age. You know what? We should be bringing forth fruit for Jesus in every age. Our children downstairs are taught that the word works. I'm telling you, those little kids down there can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. If you need to believe something, you need to get hold of your kids and let them pray with you because they they it's like why why didn't you think of that mom god can do that god can do that i remember when jonathan was about four and my mother we got a phone call she was in texas and we were in Loon lake and and it was her best friend her prayer partner who said your mama's had seven heart attacks this morning they don't think she's going to live. I'm on the phone. We don't have the money for me to go down there. My my flesh wanted to, you know, talk about wanting to borrow money. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to do anything I could to get down there. And uh, she I, she said, "Well, don't even consider it because they they're not giving your mom any hope." Well, in the living room, David was watching Jonathan and Liberty, and they were in the living room. They couldn't hear the conversation, and. And Jonathan and David dropped to their knees. And Jonathan prayed, God, give Ma a new heart. He didn't know Meemaw needed a new heart. And you know, my mother recovered. And when they did test afterwards, they would say, you know, you have to fill out these things. You know, have you ever had a heart attack? Oh, yeah. They would argue with her. Your heart has no damage in it. You never had a heart attack. Oh, yes, I did. But God gave her a new heart. Why? Because she had faith, but even a little child who, didn't, who heard from God because no one told him about what was wrong with Mima, but he prayed it out of his spirit. So you ought to know that God has increased for you, growth in you, and fruit for you in every season. You never become too old. I never thought that I would hear what I heard the last trip I made to Texas. Are you retiring? It's an insult. I thought, man, I need to go get my hair colored again or something. (laughs) I need to stand up straighter, walk straighter. Are you retiring? No. Because the kingdom is inside. There's no retirement for believers. You can, you can you go in a different season. I'm in a different season, but I haven't retired. So God wants us to bear fruit. I'm going to believe God that I will bear fruit until the day that he comes to take us away. Just bear fruit. Amen? That's what he says he wants you to do. Then verse 15 says, they are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. They are living memorials. That's what uncompromisingly righteous people are, living memorials. Have you read the Old Testament? You remember every time God did something, he'd say, now make a memorial, stack up some stones there, right? Remember when they crossed over Jordan? He said, stack up this. They, they put stones in the middle. They put stones on the side. Stack up those stones and make a memorial. Why? So that when you go past here, you can tell your children and your children's children, this is what God did. So God wants us to have memorials. We are living memorials. So that we can testify. We can tell people, this is what God's done. When they go by us, they are reminded of what God can do. You have memorials in your life. I have memorials in my life. I have memorials about when, when we, we had people at our house and a whole bunch of people came and we had a little moose roast like this big. And there was a whole bunch of people that, that pulled in the driveway and David said, we need to feed them. And in Loon Lake, you couldn't run to the grocery store on Sunday. And I remember being in that kitchen and saying, God, you got to multiply it. And as long as I kept slicing, the roast stayed the same. And we fed them all and had leftover roast and had bread too. I had bread, but I didn't have the roast. But God multiplied it. How, how when we had ministers that came and we had, you know, we believed God for a hamburger. One, this is, you know, this is for everybody was eating more, you know, like guys eat two hamburgers now or something. But everybody, we had enough, one patty for each preacher. And then somebody invited some other preachers. And so they came. And I'm in the kitchen. And David's already got the burgers on the grill. And I said, I went out there and I said, David, we got to believe God. Because uh, there's more people. He kept flipping burgers. Everybody got a burger. I don't know how it happened. God did it. In the Philippines, we had 75 gift bags. And then Brother Manny has the, the audacity to say, how many didn't get one? <laughs> just line up. I'm thinking, Manny, there's like two bags left, which were already for two people that we knew were coming in the afternoon. And so I said, God, you just got to multiply I, I never heard anybody say you multiply gift bags, but God, these are your, your ministers. And I told many, don't show it. I don't want to look over there. Just hand them to me. Do you know? I mean, Tina was there. Kim was there. We don't know how it happened. In fact, I didn't believe it myself. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> but they came, we gave a gift bag. They came, we gave a gift bag. I don't know how many extra gift bags we gave. If he had multiplied one, it'd been a big deal. I don't know. There was there was a line up all the way from the front to the back. God multiplied gift bags. That's a memorial. God multiplies food. That's a memorial so that you can tell your children when they say, What are we gonna do? I don't know, but I know a God that multiplies. I know a God that's going to take something and make something more. I know a God that took fish and loaves of bread and fed 5,000 and fed 4,000, and he did it then. I know what he did in the Loom Lake, and I know what he did in the Philippines. God's able to multiply. My God's not limited. Amen? That's a memorial. You have memorials in your life, and you can say how when, when there was a drought in the land and we prayed for rain and there was no rain all around you but there was rain on your land. That's a memorial. Amen. You all have memorials of what God's done, but make them a memorial. I don't mean camp there. Israel didn't camp where the memorials were, but when they went past, they could, they could say to their kids, you know what happened right there? I'll tell you what happened. You know, when we take our kids back to where we grew up, David and I grew up in Texarkana, we i know they got tired of it but you know we draw that's where i went to school in grade school that's where i went to high school that, that's where your daddy played football that's i know they get tired of it but you know it's like you tell your kids things well this is greater we tell people what god's done when the doctor said i couldn't have children and when every specialist said you'll never have children But God had already spoken. He told David, you'll have a son and his name shall be called Jonathan David. He told me, you'll have a daughter and her name shall be Liberty for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when a doctor says you can't have babies, you're too late. God's already said something. And so our children became memorials it's what God can do. When your body doesn't have the parts to have a child, God can do it. God's bigger than that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When, when, uh, <coughs> one time we were in the mountains, I was asleep in the, in the back seat. We were headed to Vancouver and it was in those days where we didn't stop at hotels. We just drove all night, went to wherever we need to go and, and I, I woke up praying in the spirit out loud. And I said, David, stop. It was real foggy. He stopped right, right in the middle of the highway because he sensed in his spirit she, something was going on. She woke up from a sound sleep praying in tongues and something's up. He stopped and in front of us, a log truck had just dumped their logs. We would have been there. So when we go through the mountains and we go past that point, that's where God delivered us. That's where God saved our life. Amen? Amen. When I When I drive to Saskatoon or back, especially when I'm by myself, I look over in the Lashburn-Maidstone area, and I remember when I was in that car accident, and my back was broken and I was paralyzed from the waist down. I remember being in that, that ravine and no one could see me and God telling me what to do. I remember going to the hospital when the doctors, you know, they they want to cut off your clothes. And I, I start screaming, no, you can't have this sweater. God gave me this sweater. <laughs> hey, not taking my bean field, that guy said. Remember? So, not taking my sweater, God gave me. And when they tested my legs, and they, you know, they were doing all these tests, and there was no feeling. I said, let my husband come in here and pray. I will leave this hospital walking and leaping and praising God. I really thought it happened right then. It didn't. It took, it took 16 days. But I tell you, I came out of the hospital... Walking and leaping and praising God. My back stronger than ever. That's a memorial. When I pick up my little grandson and I hold him up in the air, it hits my brain. Thank God I'm healed. When my daughter, I had one, I went to get my tires changed. And, you know, they give you that little thing that put on it to get it, you know, torqued in 100 kilometers or whatever. (laughs) I picked them up at the airport, and I had that on my, my, my rearview mirror, and uh, I parked near a store. She said to her husband, to Matthew, is that a handicapped thing my mom has on her, her door? I said, I'm not parked in the handicapped place. She said, is that a handicapped thing? I went, no. I wouldn't. Even if they wanted to give me one, I wouldn't take it. I thank God I can walk to the store. I thank God. Now, if you have one, don't be ashamed, but believe God, you can come out of that. Amen? Amen. Those are memorials. You have memorials. You need to tell people what God's done in your life. And particularly, you need to tell your children and your grandchildren. And if you don't have children or grandchildren, find children that you can tell. Because children need to hear, we serve a big God. Because the world is telling them God's not big, they're telling them that God sent a hurricane. They're telling them God caused an earthquake. They're telling them God did this. I'm telling you, those are not things that God did. Those are birth pangs. The Bible says, "So in in days the earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God." And I'm telling you, the earth is going. Let's get it together, guys. Amen. So we tell we have memorials. The Bible says that you're to be a living memorial, a living memorial. Don't be a dead Christian, don't be a wimpy Christian. You have something to tell. I got born again, I didn't know I mean I've been in church all my life, but we didn't we didn't believe in being born again. We thought only Baptists had to do that, and so I had Baptist boyfriends all the time telling me I need to get saved. And I'd say, you Baptists have to do that. We're born Christians. You're just in the wrong church. I was stupid. You can have a university degree and be stupid. I was stupid. But I got born again. Listen. I went to my office and on that Monday morning. I didn't know much, but I knew I'd been saved. Didn't know what all that meant. I'd been healed. I'd been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. Never heard anybody do that before. Didn't know what it was. I just knew I did it. I knew my life was changed. So, I, you know what? That was my memorial for that week. And I got all of my friends that I went to the clubs with. You know what? I'd contact them. they think we're going because Tuesday was one of the days that we would go. I'd call them Tuesday morning. You ready to get together? Yeah. It was a setup. (laughs) And by the end of the week, all my friends that we went clubbing together and did things we shouldn't have done, we all were born again. And I'm telling you, I went to this little church and they were prim and proper and i tell my friends you got to come to church with me they walk in the door they got long hair they got grungy clothes the girls aren't dressed proper they come in but they're happy 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 because they have a they're a memorial look what god can do last week our lives were just the pits but the Bible says in Psalm 103, he redeems my life from the pit. We all started serving God together. Amen? In one week. And we were happy. We didn't know anything. The preacher would preach stuff and we were just clueless. And we went to my, my denominational church and then we... They never preach long, you know. So 20 minutes, we were out of there. We'd go over to the spirit-filled church, like this church. And, uh, and then, you know, we learned, we learned other things. But we were just not very smart spiritually. But we just loved Jesus. We were radically saved. That's what God's wanting people to be, radically saved. So you grow in those things, amen? You flourish in those things, But there's memorials. Remember Acts 10? One of my favorite scriptures, Acts 10, it talks about Cornelius. Remember Cornelius? He didn't have a covenant with God. He was without covenant. But the Bible says that he he prayed and he gave offerings. Now, some Christians would say, don't take that money from that unbeliever. Why? Because that might be the thing that'll cause that person to be born again. That's what happened to Cornelius. And the Bible says, I'll just show you where it's, uh, Acts 10. Uh, I don't know this verse, but it says that your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Kim, bring me that, please. I was reading a book on the plane by a man named, uh, uh, what was his name? S- Richard Sigmund, who died... And he was dead for eight hours and they were wheeling him with the sheet over his head into the morgue and he sat up. <laughs> and they almost caused three more deaths. <laughs> but for eight hours on earth, you know, heaven has no time. Time's not measured like it is here but for eight hours on earth, he was in heaven. And so I'm, I was reading his book. He wrote a book called, uh, my time in heaven. And he talks about in heaven. He saw memorials. He saw Cornelius's memorial. He said, Cornelius's memorial. He said, I saw other memorials in the memorial of Cornelius, the centurion mentioned in Acts 10, who was generous toward the poor and needy. There was much on almsgiving. His memorial looked a lot like the Washington Monument, but not as tall. It had writing on it, and angels were standing there making announcements about the almsgiving that Cornelius had done. How many? That's like over 2,000 years ago. They still are proclaiming it. It was a place where people came to see what was mentioned in the Bible. He said, there were, there were more memorials everywhere. Each memorial depicted some great victory that one of God's children had won down here on earth. Memorials told when someone, a very bad sinner, came to Christ. Memor- memorials told when some great battle was fought and won for the glory of God's spirit. I saw a memorial about a service that Billy Graham had held in Southern California. You might have heard of that, that, uh, that, that uh, what did you, crusade. It was in Los Angeles, and I'm telling you, there were many, many people saved, and it changed a spiritual atmosphere in the United States at that time. So he said, I saw that, a memorial for that. It told about the glory that God had received there and the number of people who had been saved, and the words were sealed in God forever. I saw other memorials. It was a glorious place to be. I saw Smith Wigglesworth Memorial. Now, this isn't scripture. You understand that. So don't, don't treat that the same as you're, we're treating the word that we're reading. This is one man's account, but I think, it's, I think it lines up with scripture. Because we read in Acts 10, he said there's a memorial that's went up to heaven. You have memorials of battles you've, you've fought and you've won. God puts memorials there. So the angels proclaim, look what God has done. Look what God did for Rhonda. And they tell people in heaven, this is what God did. Amen? So we're to be living memorials. We're not, you know, the Bible says we're living stones. Remember the Old Testament, it was stones they set up. But the New Testament says we're living stones. Hallelujah. Living stones. Nehemiah, I love Nehemiah. But Nehemiah remember he God God gave him the assignment to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem that had been been torn down and God gave him favor with the king and all that but when he went there were three guys that were always just giving him a hard time Listen you're always going to have somebody that the enemy puts in your path to tell you you can't do it You can't do what God tells you to do But I love Nehemiah's response he said to them they're saying you can't build it who said you could do that you can never do that you're not going to rebuild the walls are you crazy and they would come night and day and tell the people that but Nehemiah stood up to them and said you have no right no portion and no memorial we're not going to build a memorial here of what you say the enemy tries to build memorials in our life of where we messed up isn't that right see we have god memorials but the enemy will try to build a memorial and remind you of where you missed it those great bad things you did and he'll bring you past it and say don't you remember what you did and he builds a memorial you got to stand up like nehemiah and say you you, <laughs> let's put it down there. You have no right. Satan, you have no right to speak to me. Who do you think you are? You have no right. I don't have to listen to you. You have no right. You have no portion. I, there's nothing in me that belongs to you. The Bible says the devil came. Jesus said he came, but he found nothing in me. You have no portion of me, and you're not going to build a memorial. Only God gets to build memorials about me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil build a memorial of your failures. If you think he has, go kick it down. Amen? Psalm 37, verse 18 says, The Lord knows the days of the blameless. And their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine, they will have abundance. See, the Bible's talking about being uncompromisingly righteous. God's going to take care of you. The message Bible says when the shelves are bare, they'll be full. God does that. NIV says, in times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. See, the world might be in recession, but you can be in plenty. Isn't that right? But you won't be there unless you decide, I will not compromise the word of God. You can't make me turn against what God's word says. I tell you, I've been in the hospital before and, and... The doctors have told me, you know, or told my family, we don't know if she'll be alive tomorrow. You know, she might not be here through the night. But God had a better word. And thank God for doctors. My son-in-law's a surgeon. I'm, I'm thankful because most Christians would be dead without Doctors. But thank God, but God had a better word. And thank God it was a Christian doctor who came in the next morning and said, you're still here. And I said, the Lord, this is me. The Lord has a purpose for me to live. And it's great to have a doctor that says, that's right. Amen? So. We see that the Lord says that when there's trouble on earth, there doesn't have to be trouble in you. You trouble your trouble. Trouble comes, say, I'm going to trouble you trouble. You think, you think you're think you going to trouble me? I'm going to give you some trouble. How are you going to trouble trouble? You're going to quote the word, what God says. <laughs> I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. Everything I set my hand to prospers. Those are all Bible scriptures that troubles your trouble. Sickness comes on your body. Say the Bible says that by his stripes I was healed. If I was, I am. The Lord took upon his body every sickness. I'm redeemed. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3 says that that we're redeemed from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, upon the righteous. Amen? But listen, church, these things don't work if you're half in the world and half in in the church. You can't play both things and expect God to bless you, expect that you have things go right because you cannot be... Let me just see. You can't be lukewarm. You just have to be. You have to come out. You have to come out from those things that you you were in. And you say, well, I, I can't do it. No, you absolutely, you cannot. But you and Jesus can. Amen. God can deliver you. The Bible says that God delivers you. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord but the Lord delivers them out of them all so you know what if you think well I get born again I'll never have another problem hang on (laughs) you're going to have more trouble than you ever thought you had because you know what when you're serving the devil he doesn't care you're doing his job he doesn't care He's, he's not targeting you he wants you to live because you're, you're helping him. But when you give your life to Jesus, he comes, John 10, 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, but Jesus don't you love that? But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What's well, abundant life? Life to the full. Abundant life. Abundant life, better life than you can imagine. He's come to give you the good life. I've been, i my first camp meeting I went to when I got to Canada, and Onion Lake, and they were giving testimonies and testimonies and testimonies and testimonies for hours. But this is what most of them would say: It's so hard to be a Christian. I'm telling you, the devil's been at my house. It's hard. I'm sitting there going, David, David. Can I get up? No. Brownie, wait. And then the next one. I want to call up my wife to testify. She'd come up. It's hard. I mean... The goal of the camp meeting was to get people born again. Now, what idiot would go in a church. They tell you how hard it is to be a Christian, and you go, hey, sign me up. I need more trouble in my life. I need a hard life. I've had it too good. Poor marketing, I think. And finally, I could take it no more. And I just said out loud, the way of the transgressor is hard. I thought the whole camp meeting would just turn. They didn't even pay attention. But it made me feel better. (laughs) You know, you want to know what hard life is? Hard life is when God's calling you, God's, God's wooing you, and you go the other way. You are going to be one miserable creature. Ask me how I know. No, because I've been in the ministry over thirty years, and I've seen people who try to live both ways. You can't be a Sunday Christian. You know, in, in the United States, they have what they call the reserves, and those are soldiers that once a month they go and and they train for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and they're called the reserves and in t- time of war they can call up the reserves and the national guard they call them and so a lot of christians are just in the national guard just one weekend a month and so when war comes they're not prepared hey i'm a lifer i'm in it for the long haul aren't you right. amen amen Because I don't want to be just trying to live my life and let Jesus in when it's convenient. Because you will fail and you will be miserable. But here's the thing. There'll be battles as a Christian. Uncompromising righteous people have battles. We have big battles. We have little battles. There'll be battles, but you're not battling it alone. That's why you need to be with other believers you know the bible says if you have a child you probably quoted this to him bad company corrupts good morals that's one of our favorite ones we told our kids especially in junior high bad company corrupts good morals well that's what the bible says but what about the other way good company promotes good morals establishes good morals amen so it's important the company you keep remember the disciples they went out and they were doing the things jesus told them to but there was a time that the bible says they came back to their own company amen they were out and they were they were fighting spiritual warfare they were doing things for god but there was constantly battles and so they had to have a time where they came back And they could let down their guard and just be with people, their own company. You need to know who your company is and come back. And when you get in trouble, when things get tough, you need to have the courage to tell somebody, I need you to pray with me. Even AA knows you need somebody to call. All right? Christians... Oh, we're so proud. or we're, It really is a spirit of pride that says, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know. Now, there's there's wisdom in not telling everything. But I'm talking about you got, you got people in your life that know how to believe God. And when you need some agreement, don't go tell everybody. But you tell somebody that you know can agree with you over the word. Amen. It's stupid to go tell. You know, if you know, you're, you're having marriage problems, don't go to the woman that's been married five times and the man she's living with is not her husband, you know, as Jesus found that woman. She can't really help you. Find somebody that has a happy marriage and say, I, we need help. Can you help us? Amen? Amen. If you need to get off if you're addicted to whatever, you know don't go to someone that's still addicted, unless you're both going to agree, we're going to help each other get off of this. But you know, you know, if you've smoked cigarettes and, and then you, you want to quit, the worst thing you can do is be with other people smoking because you're going, "I quit, I quit," and then you, you follow the smoke. And you're trying to inhale the smoke. (laughs) Stay away from that. You know, when I got saved and came out of some bad stuff, you know, well, I thought I need to go back into the bars and, and witness about Jesus. My Christian people that were a little bit more mature told me that no, you can't go back. That's stupid. Oh, I said, I I need to witness to them. They need to get born again. They said, stay outside on the sidewalk and witness to them. Oh, no, they won't listen to me there. I got to go in. I won't drink. I'll just have a Coke. They said, what would you drink when you were in the club? Eh, it looked like Coke. They're not going to know you don't have liquor in that Coke. You look, if you're at the bar, you look like you're at the bar. You can't do that. But it didn't make sense to me. I thought, sure, I can do that because I wanted them all to know Jesus like I knew Jesus. But I didn't have the wisdom. And thank God, God put people in my life that says, that's just not a smart thing to do, Brownie, because I was just a baby Christian. Well, thank God you've got people in your life that have a little bit more experience and longer time with the Lord. I mean, that might be five days longer or whatever, but they can help you. amen and then you help somebody else because you refuse to compromise but you know when the when the um the desire to compromise is on you all you need is one person to say it'll be okay it's okay god's okay with that that's why you got to be careful who you hang out with. And we have to be careful what we do in front of others. The Bible says we could cause one of these little ones to stumble. Maybe something that you do and and God, you know, you don't see it as a sin and, you you know, it's not in the scriptures that it is a sin, but it's just something that maybe God is saying, you know, don't do that because you're going to cause somebody to stumble. Can't you give up something for Jesus so that somebody else won't sin? What is it? You know, there's movies that that you might think it's okay for you to go to. Probably not. The movies these days, it's hard to find a good movie. Isn't it? So, (laughs) watch what you do so that you won't cause someone else to compromise. And when someone is convicted of something, don't pat them on the back and say, it'll be okay. You can do that. No, say so let me pray with you. You and Jesus can, can get bigger than this. Amen? You don't have to do that or say, come to my house. We'll have, we'll have a time of fellowship. You know, don't, you know what? Their body is saying, go here, but bring them to your place. Take them out for coffee. Don't compromise the word. So important. Amen? Abraham was righteous. The Bible says that God counted his faith as righteousness. Right? But didn't he compromise? And that didn't work too good for him, right? What happened? God said, I'm going to give you a son in your old age. I mean, Sarah was old. Abraham was old. We're talking like old 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 My great great grandparent old she wasn't this little hottie walking around he wasn't this bodybuilder doing this they were old they'd never had a child and god said i'm going to give you that child i'm going to give you a son you're to call his name isaac well It wasn't working out in their time slot. So Sarah has an idea. Take my maid, Abraham. Go sleep with her. So he did. And she got pregnant. And they had a child, and his name was Ishmael. And that wasn't good because that was not the promise. Because Abraham got too antsy. And Sarah thought it's not going to work. I got a better idea. You ever had a better idea than God? God, I got a better idea. God says, I want you to quit that job and I want you to do this. Well, God, I got a better idea. Why don't I do this? And then I can do that later on. What happened? Ishmael came. Ishmael has caused trouble for Isaac still today. When they turned back towards God, God gave them the promise. God gave them Isaac, the promise. The blessing came down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ishmael was not part of that. But God still blessed Ishmael. But listen, when you compromise, you might get an Ishmael, and I'll tell you what, you got to raise an Ishmael. Remember? Remember? They were sent out, mostly Sarah's doing, sent out to the desert, and God said, that's not right. When you have Ishmael's, you have to take care of them. So it's better not to do that. So you can be righteous, but you can be a compromising righteous person. Hallelujah. We're not going to be that. We're going to be uncompromising. Another word for that would be faithful. Faithful. Uncompromisingly people are faithful people. Right? Proverbs 28:20 20 says, "A faithful man shall abound in blessings." Faithfulness causes rewards and blessings to come to you. God's looking for faithful people. God's a faithful God. And he's in us, shouldn't we be faithful? Cuz God is faithful he's in us we're made in his likeness so faithfulness should just want to come out of us and it does until we push it down enough to say i don't want to hear that anymore but we're not like that we're going to abound in blessings hallelujah matthew 24 jesus was talking about the end times he's talking about there's wars rumors of wars there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be Uh, famine he talks about that now listen that's been going on all this time it didn't just start in the last 20 years but they are in different places now right but he said in in, uh, Matthew 24 6 you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not frightened for these things must take place but that is not yet the end The Bible says in the last days men's hearts will fail them for fear. Today, people are afraid to be in airports. They're afraid to be in in a great, you know, a, a group of people in a big arena. Why? Because terror has come to North America. But you don't know how many prayers have kept terror from hitting different places. The Bible says in Psalms ninety-one that you know we dwell in the secret place of the Almighty. So there's a there's a place in God where we can dwell, and it says terror terror will be far from us. After after uh, this last bombing in, in uh, Boston, I was in a very busy airport. <clears throat> and there was a terror there was you know uh, a bomb thing scare and I just said it won't come near here because I'm here but I had to use my faith I wasn't saying that arrogantly I wasn't saying that proudly I was saying it, God will deliver me I wouldn't let fear come let me tell you fear tried to knock on the door what are you going to do? I, and, my, and my first instinct was to look around, how can I get out of here? That's how people are living their lives these days. Where's the exit door? How can I, where's a place I can go to be safe? And that's, that's good. That's not, a, I mean, you ought to listen to the flight attendant when she gives the safety things. You know, you ought to do those things. But at the same time, you ought to have it in your heart. You ought to speak Psalm 91 over yourself, yeah. over your family. And say, no terror comes near us. Amen? The message Bible uh, in Matthew 24, 6 says, don't panic. How many know when you start to panic, you forget what you're supposed to do? That's why airline pilots are trained, 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 trained. They go over and over. And every time they get in, I used to watch Brother Copeland when... Uh, And I, I had to do his flight things, type out things for him. But he gets in a plane. He's been flying. Let's see, he's over 70. He's been flying for over 50 years. Do you know what? He still goes by the checklist. You think, well, don't you know it by heart? Yes, he does. But he checks everything. Have you ever had your Bible open and you see, you know... Or you're reading a book and they quote a scripture, and you think, I already know that, I am skip that part. I did that. I did it lots. And one day God said, I said, read it. I'm thinking, I know that scripture. Read it. Because why? So that it's in us and we know it. So that when things happen, we know what to do. The Bible says there's a scripture, and I don't remember where it is, but it says, in the time of heat. <laughs> They don't run when when heat comes they're okay why because they have it in their heart this is what god's going to do so if you'll if you'll put healing scriptures let's use that for example put healing scriptures in you now and you say hey i feel great praise the lord but you need healing scriptures in you number one if a symptom hits you, you can hit it right away with the Word of God. But if you get a bad report from a doctor, you need to have the Word in you. You, need, you don't need to that time go find it. You need to have it in you that you speak it. And for another thing, you got people in your life. Let me tell you, you got, you got family that don't want to talk to you, that think you're a religious nut. They just think, I don't, you know, stay away from them. They're crazy. But you let them get diagnosed with a, a, a fatal disease, terminal disease. Who do they call? Not Ghostbusters. They call you. Suddenly you're not so weird anymore. They tell you. I need you to pray. Your flesh might say, I am not praying for you. But the love of God will say, yes, let me tell you what my Jesus can do. Amen? So praise the Lord. Understand that God says things are going to come, but don't let it shake you. Don't panic. Because there are tribulations. Jesus says that you will have tribulation. As long as you're in this world, you're going to have some tribulation. Listen, I've tribulated more than I want to. But I suspect there's more tribulation on the horizon. But we can go through it and get to the end and we don't even smell like smoke. They threw those Hebrew children in that fiery furnace. It was so hot that when the guys opened up the the door, they, they burned up. But the guys, the Hebrew children, the three Hebrew children were in there walking around in this furnace that was so hot that when you open the door, it burned, completely destroyed the people opening the door. But they were walking in the midst of it. The king looked in and it says, it looks like there's a fourth man. He is as a son of God. I believe Jesus was walking in there and they were having them a little praise gathering. And when they came out of that furnace, the Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. When you used to get smoking in restaurants, you could go in a restaurant and come out and smell like smoke. Right? They were in the furnace. Their clothes weren't burned. They weren't burned. And they didn't even smell like burn. Why? Because they knew. They, they declared it with their mouth. Our God is able to deliver us. He will yet deliver us. You are going to be in some fiery trials. You're going to be in some stuff. But you've got to know who your God is, and he's got to be bigger than the trouble. He's got to be bigger than the stuff. He's got to be bigger than the temptation. He's bigger. Greater is he that's in you and in me than he that's in the world the greater ones in us if god be for us who can be against us listen church y'all don't look too excited i'm pretty excited about this i don't know you got the sleepy zone or something maybe you're looking forward to lunch but this is something to get excited about our god will deliver us our god is bigger than any problem we'll ever have amen god is greater when you, when you are tempted to compromise, say to yourself out loud, God is greater than that. I'm not going back there. Why would I return? The Bible says the dog returns to his vomit. There's a lot of Christians returning to that same stuff. And we ought not be. We're going to close with this, Psalm 126, verse 1 through 3. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, that in itself is something to rejoice in. The Lord brought them out of captivity. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. You know what? There's a lot of Christians that need to fill their mouth with some joy. They look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. You want to be a Christian like me? No, actually, I don't. But I want to be a Christian like that person. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations. Here they're setting up a memorial. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. They went to the nations who didn't even know God and said, The Lord's done great things for them, but he's done great things for us, and we are glad. Church, it's time that we have a church that's glad about what God's doing. We don't need a praise team to pump us up. Well, if we just had a, you know, a better beat. We just sang that one song. You ought to to live in the high places. Amen? And when you do find yourself getting down, call someone. Go to someone and say, pray with me. I need to get out of this. And if you don't have anybody, you've always got Jesus. The Bible says he's ever interceding for us. You're never without a prayer partner. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad.